It's Friday, September 11th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. There's been a lot of fallout from the new Bob Woodward book on President Trump. Trump has gone into damage control over quotes and audio clips where he said that he intentionally downplayed the coronavirus so he would not cause panic. The president continues to claim he has done a good job and is trying to shift blame to Woodward. Orion Rumler, reporter at Axios, joins us for more. Next, remember all those seeds that were being sent to Americans from China? The USDA came out and said not to plant them and instead contact your local agricultural department. Well, we're finding out that hundreds of people did plant those seeds, and some people even ate them. Jason Kebler, editor-in-chief of Motherboard Advice, joins us for what he found out about all those unsolicited seeds. Finally, during the pandemic, online gaming traffic rose about 30%, and with that, attempts to hack into players' accounts and steal their digital goods also rose. It's a game of volume for the hackers, but altogether, they can make millions in selling their stolen goods. Julie Jargon, family and tech columnist at the Wall Street Journal, joins us for how to protect yourself from online gaming fraud. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Certainly, if uh, he thought that was a bad statement, he would have reported it because he thinks that, you know, you don't want to have anybody that uh, is going to suffer medically because of some fact. Joining us now is Orion Rumler, reporter at Axios. Thanks for joining us, Orion. Thank you so much, Oscar. It's great to be here. Wanted to talk a little bit about the fallout from the excerpts and the audio that we're hearing from Bob Woodward's book about President Trump. It's called Rage. It's going to be out next week. But in it, you know, we're hearing a lot of different things. The president was kind of downplaying early on the severity of the virus, even though he knew it was bad. And, you know, he's come out and say, hey, this is my job as a leader to not cause a frenzy, things like that. But the Joe Biden campaign was hitting him very hard. Just a lot of people were kind of pointing to this, saying he's been doing this the entire time. He knew how bad it was and wasn't giving it the proper attention. So, Orion, what do we know about what's in that book and some of the reactions so far? So in the book, Trump told Woodward on February 7th, after he spoke with President Xi about the coronavirus, he said that the virus is more deadly than even your most strenuous flu, that it's airborne. And he also told Woodward in a March 19th interview that I feel like playing it down because I don't want to create a panic. And like you said, Joe Biden responded to this with one of his harshest attacks on how Trump handled the pandemic. He accused Trump of just having a dereliction of duty. He said it was beyond despicable and a disgrace. And there's been a lot of fallout. One of the interesting things of this, too, is obviously, you know, the president saw how damaging this could be for him. The perception of how he's handling it figures key into his reelection chances And one of the interesting things that they were trying to counter with was saying, well, if Bob Woodward knew this was so serious, why didn't he come out with these quotes earlier? Why did he hold on to them? And I think uh, the president said that he knew that they were good and proper answers. So there's nothing there, really. Yes. And actually, Trump brought this up today at the White House. He said that Woodward would have published this immediately if he thought this was bad, if he thought that any of the quotes that he gave them were bad. And Woodward has explained to AP and other outlets that he waited to publish this because he needed to verify what Trump said. And Woodward said that that took him until May to verify everything. 
I mean, he had 18 conversations with the president. I think they said it was about nine hours of audio tape that he had recorded. So he spent a lot of time with the president going over him with this. There's also been a lot made about why he did it. Why did the president do this? You know, he probably always had an inkling whatever book he wrote wasn't going to be positive. I think aides were telling him not to do it. So why did the president sit down with Bob Woodward? So Trump said today at the White House that he respects Woodward as a reporter just from hearing his name over the years. And he thought it would be interesting to talk to him. And we know that Woodward has written books on Trump's predecessors. And Trump has complained publicly after he wasn't interviewed for Woodward's 2018 book, Fear. It's just crazy to think of, you know, when the president is unfiltered, he says a lot of things that could be used against him. And that's pretty much the criticism here is that there is nobody else to blame for this other than the president's own words. He said that he wanted to downplay how bad the pandemic could have been. And, you know, that plays into attacks of all his detractors, basically. What else did we find out from the Woodward book? I know there was a lot of talk about how he interacted with Kim Jong-un from North Korea and also Vladimir Putin of Russia. So in the book, Woodward also reported that an aide to former Defense Secretary James Mattis said in the book that he overheard Trump say in a meeting, quote, my generals are a bunch of because they had prioritized alliances over trade deals. And that stood out to me because Trump and his allies have actually had to be on the defense this past week over the anonymous sourcing in the Atlantic that accused Trump of repeatedly disparaging the intelligence of service members. So that was one part of the book that was actually really relevant for what Trump and the White House has been defending against on how Trump handles the military and armed forces. I mean, this really kind of puts them on the defensive on a lot of different fronts. It's just things that they have to keep explaining over and over and kind of navigating when they could be putting the pressure on Joe Biden in different ways. I mean, obviously, Woodward wanted to release this book before the election and all, but, you know, just a lot more things that they have to explain. And I know they go in and they talk about some of the letters that he was sending back to Kim Jong-un, just talking about how... uh, their relationship was like a fantasy film, just a bunch of different things. So we'll know more next week also when the book comes out. But for now, just a lot of damage control that they're having to do. Orion Rumler, reporter at Axios. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much, Oscar. I really appreciate it. In New Hampshire, I saw some emails back and forth between a state botanist and a state entomologist because they were categorizing the different things that people did with the seeds in order to determine what they should do. And they're like, we actually don't have a category for people who ate them. And this guy like emailed us and said he ate the seeds and the packaging. Joining us now is Jason Kebler, editor-in-chief of Motherboard at Vice. Thanks for joining us, Jason. Hey, thanks for having me. Jason, I had been waiting for this article to come since the first inklings of these mysterious seeds from China came out. This uh, happened in late July. They're basically these unsolicited seeds from China started showing up in mailboxes in all 50 states. We ended up finding out the USDA said people should not be planting these, send them back to your local state agricultural Department, so we can uh, find out what's going on with these. Uh, there was fear that they might be invasive species, so don't plant them, things like that. You filed 52 Freedom of Information requests to all the states to find out what was going on with these. 
And you end up finding out a lot. A ton of people did plant them. Some people ate these seeds. There's a lot. So Jason, walk us through this. What happened with these mysterious seeds? When this story first broke at the end of July, there was, as you mentioned, you know, a warning that like these mystery seeds were showing up in people's mailboxes. But there wasn't a lot more information than that. The USDA was telling people, you know, hey, don't plant these. But there was no information about where they were coming from other than China, which like is a very big place with a lot of different companies, obviously. And they weren't saying, you know, what the seeds were or anything like that. So I filed a lot of Freedom of Information Act requests in my career. And I know that anytime the government is involved with anything like this, there's going to be a big paper trail. So as you mentioned, I filed with all 50 states, Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico. And over the last few weeks, I've started getting information back And it's hard to condense like thousands of pages of emails and voicemails and lab reports and all that sort of thing into a single article or narrative. But I think what I found was just like pretty scary, like broadly speaking, it's it's more of a vibe than anything. It's like reading (laughs) through these emails. It's like, wow, people really were freaked out about this thing. And they definitely didn't do what they were supposed to, which is the USDA said, don't plant these. And To be fair, most people didn't plant them, but it turns out like hundreds of people all over the country did plant them against guidance. Like there's one particular voicemail I got from New Mexico where this woman said that all of her plants died in the area that she planted these seeds, um, which is concerning, I think. (laughs) Even, Um, Even in that message, she's like, I'm a dumbass and I planted these right away. I think a lot of it, people had just generally been ordering things and they said, oh, these must be the packages that I ordered, things like that, to the point where they maybe didn't realize it at first. And then they started seeing the stories in the news and then they realized, oh man, this could be something else. What about the people that ate them though? Some people ate them, some people planted them and then said they ate the oregano that grew from it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what would uh, convince someone or possess someone to eat unsolicited seeds they got in the mail. But in New Hampshire, I saw some emails back and forth between a state botanist and a state entomologist because they were categorizing the different things that people did with the seeds in order to determine what they should do. And they're like, we actually don't have a category for people who ate them. And this guy <laughs> like emailed us and said he ate the seeds and the packaging. So I don't know what to do about this. Not to like make this seem a much bigger deal than it is, because for the most part, like these seeds, the ones that were analyzed, most of them grow in the United States, seemingly maybe all of them grow in the United States. New Mexico identified some seeds that were noxious weeds that are illegal to plant, but that do exist here naturally. But yeah, the concern is like invasive species or I guess biowarfare, which is mentioned in the emails, but there's nothing to suggest that was actually the case. But the thing that was really surprising and scary to me is that you had just a lot of people who were very, very confused. And I think that part of this is because you hear something like mystery seeds and it becomes a big media story and and you're not exactly sure what it is. But I mean, some of this was like people were completely unsure as to whether they had ordered the seeds. Some people had ordered seeds and then they came from the place that they ordered and it was the exact order that they got. But then they called the police saying that they saw something on the news and were worried. So I guess it's a story almost about like media literacy and like crisis. And it's hard not to draw an allegory between this and like what we're seeing with coronavirus because it's it's a similar situation in that you have 
scientists and like the government suggesting people do one thing and a lot of disinformation or misinformation and just confusion leading people to not do what the professionals are suggesting they do. It did kind of turn to a little crisis for the USDA when they were getting an overwhelming number of calls and emails of people not knowing what to do. So, I mean, all of that was interesting. In the end, they still say that it was some type of brushing campaign. Basically, you send something, an online gift or something, you you hope you get a positive review on your account or something like that. But even that didn't really seem to play out. I was hoping that there'd be a smoking gun where there was at least some sort of analysis of what actually happened here. And I'm still curious. I'd still really like to know. And I'm getting more documents and I'm continuing to dig on this. But it's like the official line is that this was a brushing campaign, as you mentioned, which is where someone sends a very cheap item, in this case, seeds, in hopes of then taking over their account and using it to leave a very good review on a vendor, which can then help their you know, Amazon rankings or what have you. But there's no evidence in the documents that I got that explains how the scam worked or why it happened or who was doing it or like what consequences there would be. And I, I mean, that might be because those documents are part of like an ongoing law enforcement investigation. So they were redacted or left out. But yeah, there's still a lot we don't know about here. And I think that that's still a pretty mysterious situation. And I'd really like to know more. Jason Kebler, editor-in-chief of Motherboard at Vice. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks again. He had about $200 worth of games. Those games were not actually transferred out of his account. They were somehow uh, removed. Maybe the hacker just got angry when he saw there wasn't much of value. But even the credit of $1.10 that he had in his account was gone. Joining us now is Julie Jargon, family and tech columnist at The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Julie. Thank you for having me. One of the interesting things during the pandemic, obviously a lot of people are staying home. Online gaming traffic rose about 30% in the second quarter compared with the first. And while that happened, attempts by hackers to get in, steal people's accounts, steal their digital goods that they buy on these video games, that also rose a bunch. Julie wrote an article about a couple of examples of this happening. And it's important to know that this is going on because... Obviously, parents, you're probably footing the bill for your kids' online gaming. And even for those that are older, you know, teenagers, they can be subjected to this as well. So, Julie, tell us a little bit about it. Ever since the pandemic started and people were spending more time at home, video game playing has risen and that has created an opportunity for hackers to get into more accounts. And it's kind of a high volume sort of business for hackers because mostly what they steal in terms of monetary value is pretty small. So they have to hit a lot of accounts in order to accumulate a lot of money or digital goods. And when it comes to the digital goods that players have accumulated in their games, either by purchasing items or earning them because they've played a lot in a game, the hackers can then turn around and sell those digital items. There are different online marketplaces where people come to buy better weapons, better avatar outfits known as skins, either as a way to level up in a game or just to look cooler. And so there's quite a market for these kinds of goods. And it's made this situation of hacking into accounts really rampant. Give us a couple of, of examples. You had one example of a kid, he was a teenager using the Steam platform. 
and uh, games were stolen. He had a dollar and ten cents left in his account. Even that was taken. Tell us a little bit about that. He had about two hundred dollars worth of games. Those games were not actually transferred out of his account. They were somehow uh, removed. Maybe the hacker just got angry when he saw there wasn't much of value. But even the credit of a dollar and ten cents that he had in his account was gone. He was lucky and able to get those games reinstated. But a lot of people are not so lucky. I talked to one teenager who lost a thousand dollars, more than a thousand dollars worth of goods that he had accumulated over the course of three years of playing a particular video game. He'd gotten some very high value knives and guns in this in this particular game that he'd spent his summer job earnings on and gift cards for holidays, and that was wiped clean from him. And a lot of times these uh, hackers are working from overseas, and there's a couple of examples in your article where one of the kids was getting messages on the platform that were in Russian, just happening across, you know, from all sorts of places in the world. So you just got to be wary of your passwords and all that stuff. That's really part of the key is to constantly be changing your passwords, enable that two-factor authentication so that these hackers can't so easily infiltrate your accounts. There's some definite steps you can take to protect yourself. Nothing is foolproof, of course, but two-factor authentication is probably the biggest thing that people can do. And a lot of the gaming consoles or gaming platforms have their own form of this that they encourage players to set up. And so for those folks who don't know what that is, kind of similar to if you've got a bank account and you're using an app or a website to log into your bank account, every time you log in, if you've got two-factor set up, you receive perhaps a text message on your phone with a code that you enter as you're trying to log in. The reason for that is, you know, it's just an additional piece of information. You know, let's say if a hacker is able to get your password, they probably don't have your phone also, you know. So that's uh, one really good way to protect yourself on a very basic level. Also, having strong passwords, even if you don't change them all the time, although it is suggested to change them fairly frequently, having a strong password, you know, lots of different numbers, letters, symbols, Capital letters, lowercase letters is a very good idea because weak passwords are ones that can be guessed and replicated automatically. What's the reaction by some of these gaming platforms like Steam? I know Steam was featured in the article a couple of times. What's their reaction? How do they help if somebody gets hacked or, or you know, what do they do? They have a pretty firm policy of not reinstating any digital items that have left an account they do have a two-factor authentication system on their site that they encourage their players to set up. And they say that the reason that they don't replenish goods that have left an account is because you're doing the marketplace of supply and demand. So if they are going to duplicate an item that was stolen from you, that uh, lowers its value because it is less scarce. So they tell their players that it's their responsibility to secure their account and they have steps that players can follow to do so. So this one player that lost his $1,000 worth of goods, he didn't even bother to try to see him to get them back because he was aware of their policy, and he figured he would just chalk that one up to a learning experience. Julie Jargon, family and tech columnist at The Wall Street Journal, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this 
was your daily dive.